Collegiate Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 231. My name is J.J. I'm Clark J. the Jedi Ross. Ross, Jedi J. Hello, how are you all? We're not in the L5J studios. No, we aren't. We aren't. We are down Man, it's, here. it's loud in here. I know, it's strange. Somehow we ventured out. We are at the Sidekick, the wonderful Sidekick Comic Cafe here in Leslieville in beautiful Toronto. I'm here with our good friend, Mr. Anthony Rutgazer. Hey, everybody. Uh, want, me, want me to tell all these people to shut the hell up? No, because <laughs> it's actually, it's actually let me, let me, the mighty let me. of the the mightiness of the H six oh. makes this wonderful. You don't want me to ruin everyone's well, good time. It's just you, just <laughs> a loud, angry black man telling them to shut up. <laughs> hey, you goddamn happy people! Stop that. <laughs> that would be the old Anthony, though. Stop. Yeah. Right. right? And we have a new Anthony, uh, although albeit a little bit more <laughs> in the past couple Anthony, weeks, perhaps aged Anthony. Oh, a few more gray hairs on the head. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's Obama after eight years, dude. I'm I'm Within, like two weeks. <laughs> I started I started drinking last night. <laughs> what? Yeah, I needed what a do sedative. You mean? I'll tell you. I'll, okay, so I I leave my place to go do some grocery shopping, and uh, as as is the want of this city, whenever I leave my apartment, there's a call that goes out to the other two and a half million people in Toronto to say, he's going outside. Go stand directly in his way. So It's like, it's like uh, the Truman Show. Like yeah, they yeah, know yeah, you're yeah. going to leave. Yeah. It's like, okay, everybody yeah. in except, position. Yeah, but except it's just obstruction. Obstructions. It's just obstruction. <laughs> City of speed bumps. So, so I'm at the grocery store. People are in my way, and I'm trying to get around. And then, you know, I want half a, it's a Chinese uh, supermarket. Uh, right. Sunny's. And uh, I, want, I want half a duck. Uh, duck half com- a duck. <laughs> duck comes me down, but the guy who cuts the duck isn't there, so the girl keeps trying to get me to buy a whole duck. Is it like Peking duck, or do you just buy no, a duck right, and take it home and cook? You barbecue. take it home and cook it, or it's cooked? no, 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 it's cooked. Okay. Barbecue duck, <laughs> right. you know, hanging in the window, right? right. Okay. So they actually have a little glass cabinet, so it's like you're walking down Spadina, and it's like oh, they're Toronto's hanging in a window. Oh, great for that, man. So uh, dead carcasses. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of animals upside down and inside out, hanging in a window. So. So this, the, even if I bought a whole duck, there's the guy isn't there to cut it, right? Right. So I was like, I abandoned the duck idea. <laughs> and then there's a guy in trying to button line in front of me. And then I actually go and I pay for the rest of my groceries. And as I'm as I'm putting my groceries in my little shopping cart thing to leave, some kid on the other side, like I'm at the far end of a checkout aisle, right? Right. I'm at the I'm at the exit end of a checkout aisle, and a guy on the the business side of the checkout aisle gets my attention so that he can tell me, "Hey, man, you look like Uncle Phil." <laughs> That's <laughs> and we all know how much I love that. Oh goodness! Yeah. So I just looked at the kid and I go, "I, I looked at him. I swear to God, I, I looked at him and I said, "That's right. how you say hello to somebody." And his face, the smile leaves his face, and he's like, "What?" 
And I go, you don't, you don't, you don't know me, and that's what you say to me. And he, right. He's like, I'm, his face gets all sour. I meant it as a compliment. I, I look at him. Like, it's not a compliment. <laughs> no. Go away. All right. I was proud of myself for not swearing, huh. but I was upset with myself that I got upset. Okay. But I was already, I'm just stressed from this friggin' Kickstarter, right? Yeah, you're hungry. And I, you didn't get your duck. I just, I mean, here's, a, here's a random story. Here's, here's what I'm going to say to you. No, dude, for having a random stranger just to say that, like have the balls to say that. To yeah, a lot. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say to everybody. No filters. <laughs> Stop. Don't screw with people. You leave your house. You're interactive. Social contract. Let people get on with it. This, that's the one way that Toronto should be more like New York. Don't interact with me. <laughs> when was your first New York Comic Con? Uh, 2013. No, 2000. And Had you been 12. to New York before? 2012. That? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the order of operations for me with New York. 2012. I went to shop the first hero. Was that your first time ever in New York, though? It's not my first time in New York. When was your first time in New York? I was like 16. So was that like the what, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, late time? 80s. Well, here's my question, because but, I've never but, been to New York City. Okay. And you know in the 80s, it's got this look in all movies and all everything that it's just like the worst place on earth, right? Everybody's just like, hey, screw you, but like, you know, that outlook on yeah, New yeah, York. Yeah. Okay. But then they spent all that time in the 90s cleaning it up, yeah. and now it's all nice and safe. How yeah, they safe bust is all the they bust all the homeless people to right. Jersey. Does it feel safe now? Uh, yes and no. Now, <laughs> when I went when I when I was sixteen, I went with my my mom and some relatives. We went to visit people in New York, Brooklyn, to be exact. I spent a week in Brooklyn. The best, like the most member, the two most memorable things about that were. Uh, the, the lady we were staying with making octopus. Okay. Oh, I love octopus. Like calamari or octopus? Octopus. Right on. And uh, uh, and and the shooting at the at the fruit store. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you people need to see the look on Jay's face right now. Because <laughs> sure. just, I just threw that at him. <laughs> sure. Can't just answer my question. We're at a, we're, yeah, we're at a fruit market. <laughs> and across the street... A shootout starts, and everybody's like, "Get down, get down!" And I'm like, "Hey, hey, where, where? Which one of these guys is the shooter?" I'm oh like, God. "I'm looking for it." <laughs> so that's that's Brooklyn. Now, the next time I was in New York, uh, in my uh, it's oh God, 2004, I want to say 2003, 2004. Okay. I did a couple of shows. For a wrestling group there called uh, LXW, Lucha Extreme Wrestling. They only lasted three or four shows. They spent themselves out. Again, Brooklyn. Much better, much better time. Right, right, right. <laughs> and now, uh, New York Comic Con. 2012, I went to shop the book. 2013, I went, I, I was at the Action Lab booth. Right. We did a preview of the book, and I, you know, I wanted to go to the convention, so hung out at the Action Lab booth. That's when I met Carlos, right. who was my artist on Heroes of Homeroom C. 2014, I was there with Volume 1. 2015, with Volume 2. 2016, uh, 
I was just sort of there. Right. I right. had my own, uh, you know, my own. I feel shameful that I haven't been there yet, especially being it's, on the it's East great. Coast. It's like great. New York, this, New York know? Comic Con is great. Well, just it New York is in Sandy, general. It is. It, it, well, just the Comic Con itself is San Diego without the hassle. Okay. Okay. You can get to New York. You can get tickets for the. I mean, you gotta you gotta be quick because it's growing. You can get tickets to the conventional. You can you can exhibit. It's all easier than the right. the, the steeplechase that has become San Diego. A lot of that Diego. is probably Reed Pop, though, because Reed Pop does a great job. Any Reed yeah, Pop Reed show Pop is, I've ever Reed Pop is to. great. Yeah, Reed Pop is great. They've been, they've been really good to me. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you can find – it's expensive, but you can find places to stay in New York. Or you know across the uh, uh, across the the river in New Jersey is where I've stayed for a couple of years. Um, it's a it's a doable show. It is San Diego without the hassle, and it's grown that big. Easier logistics. Yeah. Now, two problems. One, this year the Javits Convention Center is going to be redoing. Right, I heard that. The the building that yeah. is currently Artist Alley. They're going to create more convention. Uh, floor space, so Artist Alley won't exist for this year and possibly 2018. So that's gonna that's gonna really screw things up. That's gonna box people in to a smaller, a much smaller area. And the 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 way that New York is set up with uh, the Artist Alley in what is essentially a separate building. At first, at first thought, at first glance, you'd think that's horrible. But no, it is amazing because it is—it's a haven, right? You know, it is a haven where you can just you—if you can make your way down that long hallway, it's nothing but comics, man. It's right. nothing but the artists, the the creatives, right, right. Uh, and it's fantastic. So I don't know what that's going to be like. Now the problem for me personally is I'm not going back to the states, right? Ever. They've, <laughs> or just for the next four years. I don't know. We'll see Probably what happens. Could be. Listen, somebody, somebody might... Indefinite somebody, embargo? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it could... Something could happen right. that this October, I'm like... I, I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, I have to go. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm scared of it. I was, I was in San Francisco in January for a family obligation. Yeah. And walking down the streets, I'm looking over my shoulder all the time. Because I'm scared. I'm. It's like a Bowie song, man. I'm afraid of Americans. Wow. And that's. I'm sorry to the people who are listening to this and thinking to themselves, "What's this guy's problem?" But you've. You've. You got to see it. From you've started ours. down. Yeah. You started down the road to your to your uh, your your oligarchy. You started down the road to your fascist dictatorship. Yeah. And I'm just afraid. That's. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to yeah, end up. Yeah. I don't want to end up being the guy in the video that people protest about because he wasn't doing anything wrong. Why is he dead? Right, right, yeah. And no, I, I I'm you, scared. Man. It's not a lottery totally I want to win. And it's a whole different perspective. We are foreigners, I'm and I'm sorry, I'm, but America's yeah. scary to us. Yeah, it I'm, really I'm is. Pissing, I'm, I'm pissing off your listeners. You, you got a lot of you listeners south of They're the They're probably all pissed off already, anyways, about something or other. So. <laughs> People tend to just no, be you know generally what? I, pissed. I, I love the states. I lived in Pittsburgh for two years. Right. I, you know, Pittsburgh and 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 Vegas are the two places. You've been going I've down said, there and supporting that country for years. I've been going. I've been wrestling, yeah. comics, wrestling and comic whatever. shows. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. I, I I love I love going to the states, but right now it's just. Uh, 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 
It's, it's for anybody, by the way, there could be, you got to remember how every comic is someone's first comic and everybody's podcast may be their first podcast. Yeah. Just in case you didn't catch on, Anthony is black. I am. Just so you all know. I am. He, he's black. I am indeed black. So he's not just scared for absolutely no reason. But I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. Here's a personal note for people who don't know. My father is white. My biological We're not getting into father, this again. No, my dad. I learned a lesson. Anthony identifies as a 100% black man. I don't so. identify. I am. <laughs> I, See what I? We're not getting into this again. <laughs> I know. I, the word identify means something else to me, but Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. <laughs> identified as a black woman. She, she's not. No, no. But no, but my my dad is my dad yeah, is right, white. Right, yeah. My dad is white, and and. Uh, he is possibly the happiest person on earth that I'm not going. I've said I'm not going back to the states. He, well, he'd, yeah. like to, he'd like to outlive his son. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. So, and you know, my brother, my brother spent, God, how long? Uh, eight, ten years in Colorado, in New York City, working for, uh, working sure. as as a broadcaster, right? Working for Colorado Avalanche, Altitude Sports, and then. New York Islanders on MSG. Right. Um, and, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, if the Las Vegas Knights came today and said, hey, we need a new studio host, I'm sure Lickety Split, he'd be in Vegas. I, don't, I, I, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know how he feels about what's going on down there, but I'd be scared for him. Sure, sure, yeah. You know? Well, it's hard, man. It's hard as a Canadian to identify with America. It's hard as a white man to identify as being a black man. like <laughs> Or like, you know what I mean? Like, it really is. And that's the problem. Nobody's looking at other perspectives. There's no dialogue right now. No, there, you know, there isn't. There's a serious there's, lack there's, of dialogue there only, going on. There is only uh, what I believe and the people who agree with me. And those other people who are so obviously wrong. Right. You know? <laughs> and. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like you're American who's saying all, do me and all, like, oh, I'm running away to Canada. At least you are already Canadian. Yeah, yeah. He's I just ran, scared to go somewhere. I ran, I ran back to Canada, but that was 16 years ago I did that. 17 so, years ago. listen, let's yell at these people for not having yet pledged to Heroes okay. of Homeroom C, man. Yes. Let's accuse them what are you of wrongdoing. Doing? What are you waiting for? It's absolutely ridiculous yeah. that you're waiting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday. Tomorrow night uh, might be might have already happened by the time you post this. I don't know. Probably it will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, Monday the twentieth. Well, you can go to the Kickstarter page and see it because it's archived. Uh, I'm doing a. I'm going to do a Kickstarter live video chat. And it's going to be simulcast. You can simulcast on the Facebook Live. Right, right. And uh, I'm going to be talking about one of the, some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is why haven't you pledged yet? Yes. Okay. I took a. Uh, but I probably a, in earnest, you want answers. Oh sure, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. What yeah. I'm going to do is, um, Comics Tribe uh, and Comics the Comics Launch Podcast. Tyler James. Right. I took a webinar from him a couple of Thursdays ago. And uh, and then I listened to a couple of episodes of his podcast. And on the podcast episodes, I think it was like 86, 87, if you want to find it, um, talks about the different types of people, uh, categorizes people as to why they haven't pledged, and, and okay. explains why. 
you know, procrastinators, doubters, warriors, and why they haven't pledged, and what you can do to reassure them sure, yeah. and convince them to put in their money. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through that list of people and reasons, yeah. and I'm going to try my best in one fell video swoop to dispel any worries people might have or any reasons people might have for not having pledged. You know, if it's if it's your you've been burned on a Kickstarter before, this is my third Kickstarter, right. my fourth uh, crowdfunding project. We fulfill. Right. Okay. Um, the uh, the first hero volume three, there was a delay in fulfillment. It's now being fulfilled because you know we had lost our uh, diamond distribution. Right. So it all came back on to me and. It was new. I had, you know, volumes one and two, I had Action Lab. The book right. was on a schedule. It was getting printed. When volume three got canceled, I had to find a printer. I had to then deal with my, uh, with, with, with my colorist and how he had, you know, how the schedule had been messed up right. because of the cancellation. We had fallen off. We had to get things back together. All kinds of things. Um, so now it's now it's being fulfilled. Everything gets fulfilled. Right. Uh, so you don't have to worry about putting your money in and not getting something back. Sure, I got it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, procrastinators. Uh, well, you know, one of the... Yeah. One, hold on. I'll, I'll yeah. get to this real quick because this is the big thing I want to talk about. I'll talk about it in more length. Um, there is a there is a psychology uh, to crowdfunding and to people who support it, and one of the things and it's it's, it's kind of a mob mentality. People want to know that other people say yes to your project as oh, well. Oh, totally, totally. So, so the more funding you have, the more funding you'll get. I'm at 37% right now, three weeks in. I got like 11 days to go as we record this. Right. It ends on March 2nd. This will be out before March 2nd. So if you haven't pledged, right. go pledge now. Yes, please now. do. Yeah. But, you know, if you're at 50, 60, 70%, people are going to see that and say, oh, this is happening. People like it. I'll spend more time looking at it. I'll get involved. I'm more apt to get involved. Yeah. And Kickstarter themselves said, uh, says, if you reach thirty percent, you got an eighty. You know, you got an eighty percent chance of, of getting fulfilled. If you reach seventy five percent, you got like a ninety percent. There, there are there are sure. stats to this. So, like anything else, if if it's popular with people you trust, if it's popular in general, you're more willing to uh, to venture your time and, in this case, your money on it. I didn't care about Game of Thrones for six years. Right. My buddy, but Corey Graves. Right. Yeah, yeah. Corey Graves. I'm talking to him. He says, no, trust me. Watch the first few episodes. Watch the first couple episodes. I know you'll get into it. I trust Corey Graves. Right. I tried it. I ended up shotgunning six seasons of this damn thing. Right. I told him, go watch Rick and Morty. Yeah. I got to check back in. But I know, I, I know. You introduced done, me to Rick and Morty. That's fantastic. Yeah. I know as soon as he's done Game of Thrones, right, he'll right. jump on Rick and Morty. Yeah. And it's 
20 episodes, 21 episodes, he'll shoot through those, uh, you know. Well, people like to feel like a part of something. Absolutely. You know what I mean? They want to feel connected it's, to those that are getting involved with this thing for, you yeah. know? It's, it's, the mo- it's the mob mentality, which isn't necessarily a bad thing all well, the time. Well, see here, we were, we were talking <laughs> earlier about my good friend Dirk Manning, horror writer out of Michigan. And one of the things that worked out well for him with Kickstarter is, without knowing it, he was building his Kickstarter audience before even there was a Kickstarter because he was always big on connection, like actual personal connection. Before, If he met you at a con, before he was like, hey, check out my book, check out my book, he would take a few minutes to get to know every human being because he genuinely looked at as not just another customer, but another potential friend. Yeah. And he has now this cult following that he's built con after con, handshake after handshake, five-minute chat after five-minute chat, that he has developed this following of people who feel connected because of this thing he started. And then when Kickstarter came along, it was almost like a natural progression for him and his brood to conquer, right? I'm I'm deeply afraid of the humans. Well, you can't be afraid of the humans. I need need my book to just be so good (laughs) that you look at it and say, hey, this guy's weird, but I'm I'm going to read the shit out of this book. (laughs) Totally, man. Our buddy Stan Kanopka, I don't think he's left the house in a month and a half because there's Americans out there. Yeah. And he's in America. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's all about building something and, and having that connection. And, you know, it, it sometimes it takes a couple tries. Sometimes people get it right. But that's the beauty of this, at least yeah. try and try again, right? No, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't even I don't even really want to say this on the podcast because it, it, it sounds defeatist. Of course not. But, you know, I've I've thought. What happens if this Kickstarter fails? Right. Well, I'm not giving up on the book. Of course not. So it'll it'll be a matter of getting my head down and deciding what to do next. Right. Spend some time, maybe uh, you know. And, and Tyler James talks about uh, you know building your email list, building your contact list, and maybe that's something I have to spend more time doing. Right. Right. Um, but in the meantime, hey, the Kickstarter is alive. It's and alive and well. It's, it's so, alive yeah. and well, and I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people, you know, there's 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 11 days as we sit here. I'm hoping people jump on board because it's it's a damn good book. And one of the things I'm going to talk about in my video chat, if you're listening to this, go go, go check, check it out, out the archive look, of the video yeah, chat. Yeah, yeah. Is um, in as modest a way as possible because I don't. You know, I don't think that highly of myself. Why I think it's an important book, right? And uh, for for me, you know, part of it is uh, we can't. And why I say we, the the, the ephemeral, of course, black of course. comics community, yeah, and indie comics, both communities can't talk about the importance of. We can't talk about the importance of indie books. You can't talk about the importance of, of 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 black pop culture and promoting them and creating them if we're not going to also support them. Of course, yeah. So you know when Jerry Gaylord has the blueprint on Kickstarter, I kick in. When uh, when Kwanzaa and Jamal have black, when uh, when Marcus Williams has uh, as Supernatural and and Tuskegee Airs, you know. Right. I support them. Not 
not because they're black, but because they're good. Well, that's what's great about this book, though, too, though, is that Heroes yeah. isn't... It, it has no bearing on the story or situation, the fact that these are black characters. No. They just happen to be black characters. But yeah. why I think this book is also important to get out there, because beyond wanting to support, of course, black-made comics, is that this is a story about loss... It's a story about kids having yeah. to deal with things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the race really has not much to do. I think there's just as important questions that you're also asking in this story, you know other what? than just support this comic because it's black made. Like, what's, what's what's important about that for me is because I went through the stage of wanting to uh, shop this to publishers right. a couple of years ago, and I compromised. And the characters were the we when when we or, or when we drew the first chapter of this the first what was going to be a first issue characters were white okay and when last year when the first hero got canceled and I had that day of panic right what the fuck do I do now right. Um, one of the very first things, honest to God, one of the very first things I did after I got news of the cancellation by Diamond was I called Carlos. Right. And I said, okay, I want us to dedicate, and this is me asking him, it's I, you know, the royal us, the royal we. I wanted him to dedicate uh, his time to making Heroes of Homeroom C his next full-time project. So right. let's... Not in between other books. Let's do this. Yeah. Here's some money. Buckle down on this. Let's get through this. Yeah. You and mentioned this on Comic Pros and Cons with yeah. Derek Becker, by the way, which was a fantastic interview. Yeah. yeah. Derek's good people. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me. Yeah. Uh, but in that first conversation, I said to him, first things first, we need to redraw the faces in the in that first issue, I, I I'm going back to the original plan. I want them to be black. Right. And I I you know I gave him. <clears throat> I had no idea they were white at one point. Yeah. That's crazy. I yeah. thought you had a copy of the no. original. No. Yeah. No. I made I made like I made like two dozen. I don't think so, man. Just to hand out. Yeah. And and I got you know like I had I had interest from a place or two, and it didn't work out. And one of the things I was told is it's too superhero-y. <laughs> it's too superhero -y. Yeah. But anyway, let's, you know. Uh, <laughs> but. Well, I'm glad uh, you, you I, stuck I, yeah, to your convictions. It was, it was, it went it back was, to yeah. how you wanted to do it. Yeah. It was re-convictions. It, right. it was going back and saying, look, I'm going to do this myself. I don't have to pander to any editor or publisher to try and water down what I had originally thought of as this book to get it done. Right. I'm going to go out there, <clears throat> I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my ass off to find an audience for that. Right, right. And, uh, you know, maybe I need to work apparently with the Kickstarter, and this is, again, the paranoia, the, the stress of it is I have to work harder. Right. And and every day has been trying to find a new audience to get the campaign in front of their eyes. Sure. And hopefully hopefully by March 2nd that pays off. Right, right. If not, 
regroup, man. Absolutely. Regroup That's what we like to hear. And attack it yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. That's so. what you got to do, man. You get knocked down, you got to get back up again, keep doing her up, do her right, do her good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Heroes of Homeroom C. It's all yes. over the goddamn place. It's all over an elegant weapon, and it's all over Facebook and yeah. fucking all the that very, shit. The very simplest thing to do, because right now the URL points to the Kickstarter page, is www.heroesofhomeroomc.com. Right now, it'll take you to the Kickstarter page. After the Kickstarter ends, once we've once we get this thing funded, because it's gonna get funded, yes, mother, fucking fuck funded, her. some mother fucking, fucking Catalina get... wine mixer funded, man. <laughs> that's great. That's great. well. Listen, the There's people, money in the banana. I'm stand. asking you guys out there on a personal level. I like my friend Anthony. I want him to live a long, happy, healthy life. Yeah. So get out there and pledge, so that continues to happen. For you us. can prevent a murder spree. <laughs> By buying a comic book. <laughs> Good times, Anthony. Thank you as always. Absolutely. <laughs> How is it? Like, it's kind of loud in here. How is the sound for it's you? It's amazing. Good. Okay. This thing, because it only picks up like this much, dude. Good. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so. You heard our chat. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Oh, we did good. that on laptop, though, didn't we? Yeah, it was on laptop. Yeah, before. we totally so did that. This is new. Yes, yeah, so this is my H6 Zoom. When you hear Nerdist, That's this is what year? is. This was given. Uh, Given to us by my sponsor, Stan Kanopka of Nemesis Studios. That's awesome. My number one, Patreon my honey bunny person. Huh? Is he? Does he like donate to like your? Is he like a number one Patreon guy? When I was first exclusive? starting out, right? Okay. Uh, we were using headphone mics. Right. And they sounded like absolute shite. Like yeah. they were no good at all. Yeah. So uh, he sent me one day in the mail. Randomly, I just got a USB producer mic from him. Oh, shit. And, you know, just out of the blue, he's like, look, I love the show. You know, I love to listen. I like to help you out. Nice. Ever since that day, that's why An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. That's awesome. And then over the years, he's done crazy shit like that because he's always believed in the show. Nice. And... Over the years, he's become easily one of the best friends I've ever had. I'll, I'll have to look up Nemesis Studios. Oh, he's, uh, he does. A, he did a book called The Man with No Horse, but he's got a new book coming, a graphic novel from SourcePoint Press yeah. called The Rejected. Oh, and nice. oh my goodness, man, this is going to be a crazy, crazy book. Is he local? Where is he from? No, he's in Philly. He's uh, actually the head of the artist Sally for the great Philadelphia Comic Con. Oh, cool. That's how I have the connection nice. that I go. And uh, we just announced Alan Tudyk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm super stoked to get to talk to Alan Tudyk, man. Awesome. That's going to be crazy Especially fun. after Star Wars. Oh, I know. Eh? It's a yeah, big time. Yeah, it's yeah. a big score for the show. So, kids, I'm here, and I'm chatting with Aaron Broverman, host Hi. of the Speech Bubble podcast. Uh, and exciting news recently now that an elegant weapon is a proud member of Never Sleeps Network. Yeah, it's great to have you with, Dude, our, with our family. It's, it's awesome. It's exciting to be had. I mean, uh, it took a little bit. We got some stuff worked out, though. Uh, this was the result of a pod exchange program. <laughs> yeah. Speech Bubble became uh, a member of Points of Interest podcast. Exactly. And an elegant weapon was lucky and honored enough to join Never Sleeps. Yeah, it's perfect because we get to expand to each other's audiences. You Absolutely. Know? Hopefully yeah. your listeners dig my show and our listeners dig your show. I can already see the crossover, man. I can. Awesome. I can definitely. People love it. People love to talk about it. And it's great that we have our different styles. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know? You, know, you definitely sit down. You have an in-depth journalistic outlook yeah. on how you approach the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. me, I'm like, just where's the party pod, man? Right, right. So, You're doing the gorilla yeah, style. Absolutely. It's kind of cool. I love it, man. It's... 
it's my favorite thing to do because I, it, it, it's hard when all the people you want to talk to are so spread out. Right, right. And I just got sick of doing Skype. So I'm trying to get out and having the sidekick here where we are today yeah. is such a blessing to this community. Eh? Yeah, it's so awesome. Like right now, as we're talking, it's the uh, sidekick social for the crew that does the Toronto Comics Anthology Volume 4. Yeah. Of which I am a part. I'm a, I'm writing yes. a story. Very exciting, yeah, man. So that's why I'm here to like. Yeah, hang and out. I had a little sneak preview yeah, of what yeah, you're doing, yeah, exactly. man. And it's cool. It's yeah, gonna it's be really rad. Cool. Very, very exciting. Uh, you and I had our chat here. Yeah, when you were on my show. I, man. I remember. I, that, that was, was a, that was a long chat, yeah. but it was really, really good. Um, never sleeps. I'm just getting to know everybody, uh, which is very cool, though. But uh, a lot of cool shows. A lot of uh, growth happening. It's uh, yeah. Joining you, know. you is a show called The Singularity. That's right. Yeah. And it that's basically about like science and you know they talk about all the crazy futuristic awesome, stuff that man. could happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like cyberpunks and like actual like really crazy scientific stuff and whether it'll actually happen right. like the actual singularity and That's whether crazy. like robots will take over and stuff it's That's really a nice cool. additive to the network man they're starting to branch out start to try and cover you know a few right, interesting right. areas and uh, our producer Alex Ross yeah. no relation to <laughs> no relation. actual Alex <laughs> yeah. Ross yeah. he does uh, two shows he does Ross Never Sleeps yeah. where he interviews Actors, comedians, musicians. A lot of comedians lately. A lot of really cool stand-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toronto. yeah, yeah. He also does a podcast called Speaking Duck, where he interviews people involved in the restaurant industry and like in Is that Toronto. What that shows about so it's like okay. restaurateurs. Like he's interviewed people from like the White Brick Kitchen. And, That's cool, you know, man. Yeah, pe- people that are into like pickling things and, <laughs> you, know, you know it's crazy it's crazy it's fun that you and I are the only two shows though on the network that'll probably have to say no relation when we men- mention Alex Ross's right, name because right, right. our, our audience will know what the hell we're talking about exactly exactly but yeah a lot of comedians a lot of I've seen that happening yeah he's lately, yeah? he's deeply connected uh, to the comedy scene in Toronto right yeah. that's why a lot of uh, comedians actually have podcasts on his network like Jeff right. like Jeff Paul yeah. and uh, all these different people that actually perform stand-up invite their other comedian friends so that they can they, they can have talk a good to them. Time, that's the most important thing. Right. They invite more back for more shows. Right, right, and, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's something I've been wanting for years, man, because Toronto, as huge a city as we are, there's not a lot of like podcast networks or even podcasts. There are out there, and I'm sure I'm just being clueless to certain genres that are big or whatever, but at least for what we do, you know, in the comic, pop culture, comedy kind of realm of, of Toronto, you figure there'd be so much more happening. Yeah, but exactly. Like, no, no, like there's not a lot of networks uh, that have started that are like local. Yeah. I mean, Alex was inspired by uh, The Nerdist to right. start his own network yeah. because he figured like, a lot of shows are more powerful than a single show. They're more attractive to advertisers. Yeah. It's more enticing to try to get revenue from Absolutely. a bunch of a bunch it's of different shows. Fun. And it's more fun yeah. because you, you build a community. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, his home studio is really busy because he's got people walking in and out, recording it's at all times. It's crazy that he does it out of his house, man. <laughs> it really is nuts that he does it out of his house. It's like Podcast Detroit, you know, right. that I'm a member of out there. Yeah. Same idea. They set it up for all those same reasons and to have fun. And they've got like, I don't even know if it's over 100 shows now or whatever, but it's a blast. And these guys got to the point where they have now just opened a second studio. Wow. Yeah, so they just couldn't keep doing stuff out of their houses. They have a... 
podcast called IT in the D. Right. And uh, that was the huge thing. They got really big, the millions of listeners over there doing great. And that from that, they decided, let's start a network. Let's yeah. branch this out, you know? Well, and right now, uh, Speech Bubble does two things to kind of go along with the network. We're doing a thing called Comics on Comics. Right, yeah, I And saw that's that. sort of to take advantage of Alex's comedian connections. Of course. We find uh, comedians that like comics. We're going to have uh, K. Trevor Wilson on soon That's from awesome. Letterkenny. Yeah, you ever watch yeah. Letterkenny? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and he's like the big guy with the Wasn't beard. Wasn't he already on one of the shows? No, no, no. He, he I, I, record, I recorded with him, but it hasn't okay. been released yet. Okay, right. So he did a little comics on comics interview where I chat with comedians and talk about like their love of comics That's and what awesome. they were into back in the day. That's a cool idea, man. That's a um, cool idea. So we do that. We've had Ben Miner on, yeah. who was a finalist in MasterChef Canada. That's Cool. And uh, he's also a really big comedian. He, he hosts uh, uh, a show on uh, Sirius XM Canada Laughs, the comedy okay, channel. Right, right. So anywhere he interviews like big people, like he's interviewed right. Seth MacFarlane. Really? And, and he's That's interviewed amazing. Eugene Levy. It's it's really crazy. So we do the comics on comics thing, and then also very very recently. Um, an opportunity opened up where Speech Bubble is now weekly instead of twice a month. Now, how does that, like, what do you mean by opportunity? Or did you just make the choice to kick it into high gear? Well, one of, basically, I was already recording a lot of shows weekly, like, right. anyway. Like, we, all these guests were coming to me, wanting to be on the podcast. Yeah. And I found myself recording on a weekly basis anyway. Yeah. And we used to be twice a month. But we had so many shows in the backlog that it was sort of unfair to our guests to, uh, you know, to want to, you know, keep keep it in the Content back burner for king, so man. long, yeah. right? Yeah. So there was there was that, and then there was an opportunity because one of the shows um, that that is on our network they they left, they they decided that they didn't want to record with us anymore. Okay. So there was an opportunity to take their spot because they were a weekly show oh, before. Okay. So now um, because you know they're, right because they're doing like one show a week. Kind yeah, of thing, they were right? they yeah. were doing one show a week. But they sorry, they, one show a day for a week is uh, what I mean, isn't there? No, no, no. no? It, was, okay. it was one show. It was one show a week every Thursday. So I basically took up took up their right. Their but don't spot. they have enough? Isn't it? Don't they release one new episode of a certain podcast every day of the week? Yeah, I think the, the whole right. network does. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. The whole network does right. release a certain episode of a podcast every day of the week. But I took a slot of a show that had left, that had decided left. to leave okay. our network. Right. So now, um, Speech Bubble is going to be weekly. Uh, we're moving from Wednesdays to Thursdays. Right on. And it's going to be every Thursday starting. That's awesome, man. Uh, starting uh, this coming Thursday. I like how your show started out with some pretty big names as far as in the Toronto comic community, like, and in the comics in general. Right. You know, but. A few of the names people outside Toronto might not recognize, like Kevin Boyd and stuff. Yeah. But you went hard. You went right to the top of the source of the history of the the, the masters of the Toronto comic community. Right. And now it's cool to see because you're starting to spread. It's starting to like spread out a little more indie, a little more indie. Yeah. And I'm starting to see a few more familiar people that I know yeah, that yeah, on the yeah, show. Totally. So it's cool that you're going that way. I'm really excited you're going to be weekly, man. This yeah. This going to be awesome. I mean, we have a lot of cool guests coming up. Like yeah. we have... 
our our first weekly guest is Daniel Brody, who does Morgan's Organs. I don't know that. Morgan's Organs was sort of the darling of Artist Alley at Fan Expo oh, last yeah? year. Okay. People were really into it. People like Ricky Lima, people like Shane Amato. They, I wonder how I missed it. They, yeah. Shane Huron, they were really into it. It was, it's basically like Inside Out, Pixar's Inside Out right. for adults. So, Maybe but, I did. But instead, but instead yeah. of emotions, though, it's like pe- the people that are controlling the organs inside this college student named Morgan. I did think I hear. I don't know if you told me, but this is sounding very familiar. Right. So that's fun. Yeah. And so he's kickstarting his uh, second issue right now. Cool. And it's it's going on for one more week this week. So you should go donate because it's a really hilarious comic. Right on. And yeah. you and you're gonna wanna you're Check gonna wanna contribute to. Sure. That. Yeah, Morgan's Ricky Lima organs. today, right? Well, uh, we ha- we had Ricky Lima on like a long like for a long time ago and right. stuff. So, but we because I'm going weekly to reintroduce people to what I do. Oh, okay. We're sort of promoting old episodes so people can go back into the back you. catalog and check right. it out, right? right? Yeah, smart move. Start, you know. Yeah, yeah. Keep so things fresh. We yeah. can get a whole new. Are you fan intimidated base. at all by this? Are you no. excited or? Let me tell you a secret, man. The best way to relax when you're going weekly is to be super ahead. So right now, I'm six weeks ahead in terms okay, of in terms of guests. Yeah. So like guests coming up, we have it's like Daniel Brody. We have uh, Fearless Fred Kennedy. That was a while ago you recorded yeah, that Yeah, we recorded one. that one a while ago. I was ago. today. I was like, has he released that Fred Kennedy one No, no, yet? no. We're yeah. going to release the Fred Kennedy one. Uh, he's a DJ on 102.1 The Edge. Of course. Cartoon he does Network. the fourth planet for Chapter House. Great book. He also hosts a podcast that he just came just up started. with yeah, called yeah. Issue Zero, yeah. where he interviews high-profile people and talks to them about comics. We should do a tri-cross pod. We should. We, we should, should do that. We it, should hit him up. It'd be awesome. Be like, he's had... He's You're had listening s- now, Fred. Yeah, exactly. Try Crosspod. Exactly. That'd be awesome. Yeah. He had Sam Mags on his first awesome. episode. Right. He's had Catherine Reitman, who's the star of Working Moms. Jason's sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So really huge people on that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he just started it. It's going gangbusters. We're going to get Ramon Perez That's on. That's going to be... I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Ramon Perez. I mean, to your listeners, like he yeah. is the Eisner Award winning... Artist, artist behind uh, Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he Great did artist. Yeah, Spider-Man: yeah. Learn to Crawl. He's on Nova right now, doing yeah, doing the Nova Core yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna be amazing. We had um, Ron Kassman come in. Ron is sort of an old school comic fan. When he was growing up, it was like the 1970s. He started one of uh, Toronto's original comic conventions wow. like before fan expo yeah. he was involved in the original comic that's scene that's cool man that's through cool. uh, york university he did a graphic novel called the tower of the comic book freaks which is about it's about a bunch of kids on uh july 4th weekend 1971 they go down to the New York Comic Convention in 1971. Wow. So it's a lot of comic history. And, and yeah, I, yeah. I grilled him on like what the scene was Good like job. back in the 70s. And Good like job. what you could what you could do, who you, you could see. You that shit, Aaron. You know what you, I mean? Yeah, it was awesome. It Get it out of them. Get it out of there. Kids, seriously, Never Sleeps Network. 
NeverSleepsNetwork.com. You can go there. You can find an elegant weapon. You will find Speech Bubble. Yeah. You will find Blue Suit Thursdays. Blue Suit Thursdays, You will yeah. find Speaking Duck, as we Speaking just said. Duck. Ross Never Sleeps. Ross Never Sleeps. Uh, the Potato Files. Yeah, the there, Potato right Files. Yeah, this yeah. is not a safe space. Yes, yes. I mean, amazing yeah. shows. And, of course, also, you can find Aaron now at POIPodcast.com. And uh, we're thrilled to have you as part of that team, too, because... Uh, I know that part of the role of this whole pod exchange thing was trying to get the word maybe outside a little bit of Toronto. Right. Uh, which is kind of where I come in a little. Right. Having, for some reason, gotten big in other places before my hometown. Yeah, like, I love people yeah. from Detroit and Philly hearing, exactly. hearing what you yeah. do. Yeah, and I love to spread the word. So we're going to get it out there. We're going to keep it happening. And as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Aaron. Our adventure will be grand, my friend. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. You're Good my times. brother, I swear. Check, check, there we go. Say hello. Hello. All check, right. Check. Okay. And here we are, children, with Miss Alison O'Toole, one of the lead editors of the Toronto Comics Anthology. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's so exciting to be here at the Sidekick. It's mm-hmm. awesome that you guys do this every month. Like, people are just loving it. Yeah, and it's a really fantastic way uh, for our contributors to meet each other, but also for new folks who maybe aren't involved in the anthology to learn about it and to meet other people making comics in the city. I know we have a few people here today who not only haven't uh, submitted to our anthology yet, but who actually are completely new to making comics. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's fantastic, and I'm so excited that we can give them you know, a really casual setting to come together and ask questions and talk about their ideas and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you see people sharing their art and that kind of stuff, which is really exciting and is, um, you know, one of the things that our anthology is all about. Right. I like that you get the, the anthology is the basis for, you know, having these socials, yet you guys don't make it like, you know, like the, the kind of key issue. Like, you have to be part of it or whatever. You, this is more like a Toronto comic social kind of mm-hmm. in general. And you guys are so inviting of what you just said. People just coming in and meeting and how it goes. Because, I mean, I never went to the comic book lounge. I never got mm-hmm. to experience that. But I know once it went away, there was a serious lack of a space like this for yep. people to congregate with each other and enjoy. So it's just a blessing that Chris opened this joint and here we go. So. Yeah, the Sidekick is a really fantastic venue. And I've been to a whole bunch of events for other stuff, too. Um, other groups and coming together in the city so it's a uh, it's a really fantastic venue and people seem to be really responsive and every time we come there's already a whole bunch of people here before we take over the shop so it seems like it's uh, it's yeah. popular with other folks in the area too. Oh well, it's a great area that it's in right mm-hmm. here Queen and Leslie like it's a gorgeous especially a day like today it's 13 degrees here in Toronto and, Yeah it's gorgeous. And you've got a tank top I know. <laughs> like, How does that happen? <laughs> great. So uh, very soon March 1st Yes. Begins the Kickstarter yes. for Toronto Comics Anthology Volume 4. Young at Heart. Okay, so we can say that. We can say that. I wasn't that. sure if that was officially announced yet. Or yes, not, as far so. as I know. Okay, if perfect. not, then Andrew can yell at me later. Nice. Well, so. I like that you guys went with that because they are... It do people hear number four and they think, well, I kind of feel like I should have the first three, yeah. but they are so completely standalone that mm-hmm. it is not necessary to have the whole set as much as you should. Well, of set. course you should, yeah, yeah. Uh, and all volumes are available wherever right. Volume Four is sold. And right here at and the, the, the Sidekick side has yeah. some copies, I believe. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we, yeah, it's. I think. I think you're right. I think once you start getting to higher numbers, it starts to seem uh, intimidating, especially because a lot of comic readers are you know, collectors at heart, and we like to be completists, and just changing (laughs) it up a little bit. Um, This will be our first volume in color as well, so we thought that we'd add 
the, adding a, t a subtitle also like shows it's a little bit different. It's mm -hmm. something trying something a bit new. I think it's uh, a really smart idea. I Thank think it'll you. be a little easier to push out further. You know what I mean? I hope so. And yeah. there's definitely people who are used to reading comics in color that are a little iffier on black and white. Right, um, right. And I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel this way, but I know there are a lot of people who think that once it has color, it feels more finished and it feels more polished. Um, I think it, like anybody, it depends on the story or their feeling of how they want the yeah, story to look. Yeah, and I think right? that that's just that's there is a taste for that in yeah. some people, and that's fine. Um, but hopefully, this uh, if they've been hesitant to check it out before, that this volume now with color um, will be. What gets them into it and what right, gets right. their uh, it's like gets a checking out? It's a reboot in a way without having sure, a reboot, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. Because, I mean, each of these are so good, these anthologies, they deserve to stand on their own, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's great. Uh, some new artists joining the uh, anthology this yeah, time? Yeah, we around, have yeah? a bunch. Uh, as you probably, I'm sure we mentioned before, um, one of our goals with the anthology is always to include a few creators who have never been published before. Right. And so that's part of our mission statement. And so we have a few people here who've never been published before uh, on the writers and artists side. And we definitely have some some recurring players who uh, have been in former anthologies, but sure. we definitely wanted to bring in a few new people. And we, we uh, have been, it's been exciting working with some of those people who are doing this for the first time and they've never collaborated with people before. And right. this is the first time they've been able to to share their stories with a, with a wider audience. It's great that you guys provide the platform for them to have mm -hmm. this opportunity to do too you know you. how many stories are you editing in this one um it's around seven i don't want i can't listen to my head but i think it's seven stories that are oh on Lord. but it's well what we do your plate you know, is full woman <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the way i like it this is as we were talking earlier that is in addition to the fact that you're doing how many books for chapter house right i'm now? doing five right and then yep. a couple others besides that or uh so I'm doing uh, three in their sort of main chapter verse line and then two that are still uh, sort of the self-published, self-owned right. stories. So five altogether. Um, and that and the anthology are the main projects I'm working on right now. I'm also doing a bit of writing. Um, do you have any stories in this one? In, in I do have one, do? yeah. Okay. I'm doing a story called Trespass with Rodrigo Bravo, Ooh, nice. um, who I'm really excited to be working with. It's My story relies really heavily on atmosphere, and uh, that was something that he, Rodrigo saw and got like right away from the script, and okay. he, he blew me away. It looks fantastic. I can't wait for people to see nice. it. Nice. It's always good to be excited about yeah. a nice union coming together, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. You know, which is another great thing about the anthology. It's also a great thing about Twitter, is uh, mm -hmm. these artists who would have never met. Yep. They're yep. worlds away, you know? I mean, I've so many cool books have been made by people who, artist is in Colombia and the writer's yeah. in London, you know? Yeah, for they, sure. They never meet, but they put out like 10 issues of something amazing, mm -hmm. you know? So, but uh, it's cool here that people can actually congregate a little and get together. Yeah, I think that um, it's definitely valuable when you feel like you're surrounded um, by people like who are like-minded. Yeah. And I think that it's... I think people can underestimate how valuable it can be to just like go and get a drink with people who are working on stuff. You can talk about your work, you can talk shop in a more casual setting. Right. But I also agree, I think I think social media is huge for comics right now. And I think that's one of the, the main pieces of advice I've been giving to folks today have been asking me about it. I think getting on Twitter, getting on Instagram and um, sharing your work but also interacting with other people's work, it's you can't underestimate how valuable that is today. For sure. Um, and that's, it's great how you guys take that hands-on approach and philosophy where from the beginning, like I was there at your first meeting mm -hmm. for Volume 4 at the library, mm -hmm. and 
it's not a process where it's just you hear about it online, then you send in your, you know, whatever, your yep. submissions, and then it's all online transaction. You guys are like, no, we're going down to the damn library. <laughs> we're going to sit around a big table, and we're yep. going to show you our faces and say, we are the ones who are doing this book, and we want you to be part of the team, blah, blah, blah. And then throughout the process, you guys are also so transparent as far as yep. sharing your budget, sharing your numbers, mm -hmm. sharing your logistics, like... Yeah, it's a big that's, part of what you guys do. Yeah, it's that's really important to Andrew especially. Or sorry, Stephen Andrews, the lead <laughs> yeah. editor of the anthology. Uh, for him, it was this project uh, from the beginning was... Um, he, he always says that he wanted to learn how to make a comic by making a comic. Right. And so to him, it's really important to share the everything that goes into that. And he wants to be realistic with people because he found what he was starting that uh, there are certainly um, guides and you can get information from other people, but... Um, he kind of had to do a lot of the figuring out on his own. So now he wants to be as transparent as he can be and as clear as he can be with people about what goes into making an anthology. Right. And that means time commitments. That means, you know, how you're um, collecting contributors. It means the money you're going to put into this. Like, all of that stuff is, is good for people to know if they're going to try to self-publish their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, it's part of our mission statement of nurturing new talent and trying to help people um, further their own careers. We want them to show. We want to show them if they want to make their own books. Like this is what it takes. And, right, right, uh, right. You know, it's something that is hard to enter into lightly if you're going to be, you Absolutely. know, dealing with Kickstarter yeah, and published yeah. printers and everything. It's, oh, uh, so much it's goes into it. Work. I see you yeah. guys do this every year, and it's just, you know, yeah. every at the end of every one, you guys are like, oh, and then <laughs> I don't know about the next one, and then the next one starts, and you're like, okay, we're stepping it up. Yep. We're going for color. Yep. We're going to do it all up. So, <laughs> you know, you guys, this thing may just go on forever. I don't know if you guys can help you yourselves at this point yeah it's we're definitely have a lot invested in it and in the community especially mm -hmm. as we continue to build that community it's right. definitely hard you know when you're in the the depths of the kickstarter campaign and you're not sure if you're gonna get it and you have like one letterer who hasn't gotten back to you and one artist <laughs> who realized that their file was a little wrong and you're afraid like you just missed a typo and you're yeah. you know all that kind of stuff it could be easy to be like oh my god this is too much work why am i doing this but um um, you know, then a week later, the Kickstarter is done. Your book is sent to the printer, and when it finally comes out, it's uh, it's so rewarding. And you remember why you did it, and you see right. the responses you get from people at conventions and from your contributors who are excited to have this book that they're in for the first time. And oh, sure. Um, yeah. Then you remember why you did it, and yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's easy nice. to gloss over some of those darker moments. Right, right. <laughs> how, how does the okay? I I've, I've never talked too in depthly with an editor. So how did that mm -hmm. come about for you? Where? Wh wh what in your background led you to be, like, did you school to be an editor, or how does uh, this come about? I went to school for English. Okay. Um, so I studied literature, and while I was there, um, I got interested, actually, originally in reviewing criticism. So I actually started there. I was writing uh, comic reviews for a number of websites, including Paper Droids, which is a Toronto-based yeah, yeah. uh, website. And yeah. um, it was actually through Jason Liu and the Pitiful Human Lizard. He was kickstarting the first issue and just before putting it out there, wanted someone to make sure that he'd spelled everything right, like give him story responses and stuff. And he was saying that um, he'd seen my review work and knew that I would put in that thought and that uh, that analysis, I guess, right. to uh, just give him feedback on the story and on the dialogue and stuff. Um, but I really liked it, and I started mm. learning more about what goes into editing. I and guess it's a learning process in itself. Yeah, exactly. And. Yeah. Uh, 
once I started seeing more of it, um, there's that creative aspect, certainly, where you're helping develop stories and you're helping, um, you know, the artists figure stuff out, the letterers, sure. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's also a lot of project management. Uh, it's a lot of making sure all of the moving pieces are still moving, making sure people are hitting deadlines, and if they're not, how you can nudge those deadlines a little bit and still get things to work. Right. Um, so I like to joke that it marries my like creative impulses with my desire to tell people what to do. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's why I like editing. Uh, but I do, I enjoy the project management as well. And uh, it's something that Andrew's really good at. He's super, sorry, that Steven is very right. good at. Yeah. And he's very, he's very organized. We'll create these like huge spreadsheets to make sure that we track everything. That's Which cool. is fantastic. And, yeah. uh that appeals to me, like my desire to be very organized as well. So I like that we have little things where we can check everything off. It's very nice. good. So. It was a pleasant surprise for me when I started doing this podcast. It was because I was a podcast fan. I listened mm -hmm. and I wanted to do one. Yeah. I got friends I can bullshit with, right? Sure. Why not? Right. <laughs> so we do it, and then I realized, oh wait, I'm gonna have to learn to edit now, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that turned out to be as much fun for me as the recording. Yeah. Because when I was younger, all I wanted to do was make movies, mm -hmm. and a big part of that was. Was the editing process. Yep. I love cutting stuff. I mm -hmm. just love cutting, pasting, fixing, you know. Yeah, and fixing whole... what's going to be the best and yeah, how, it's, yeah. how, how is it, like, which angles are going to best totally. communicate what yeah. you want, right? So Audacity is yep. a free online editing program mm -hmm. that most podcasters use until they get sick of it and step up. But I just lost myself in it. Like, <laughs> like, endless hours, sleepless nights of being lost in YouTube, just learning yep. how to make it better, doing this, and yeah, I love that, and that's so fulfilling. So, like you're saying, yeah. I get I get the side where I'm like, "Hey, look at me when I'm doing the podcast," mm -hmm. but then I get to just go into my dark little basement into my little man cave and just yeah. lose myself making this, constructing this thing. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely love it. It's totally cool. Do you think? Uh, where do you see yourself going with doing? Do you want to do a lot more writing of your own stuff, or do you enjoy the editing enough? I actually that, really like editing. Yeah, yeah I um. So the reason I oh, was sorry, originally... Sorry, be careful what you say, too, because when you get good at something that is in hot commodity, everyone's going to be hitting you that's up fine. to do it. That's fine. That's fantastic. I'm <laughs> totally know? okay with that. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I really like editing, and I'd yeah. love to do, be doing more. I uh, The reason I was originally attracted to review and, and criticism was that I, I like the action of taking something that someone else has created and... Um, picking it apart and thinking about how to make it better and right. with editing you can actually work with that person you know you're not just taking something that already exists and saying well this is how I would have made it better right. um, you can actually talk to the person while they're working on it and say this is how I would make it better and yeah. they don't have to listen to you of course but um, you can talk to them and figure out like you can rather than just taking the text as it already exists you can say okay like what is it that you're trying to communicate like what is your end goal here right. and then you can talk to them and tell them okay so from an outsider perspective I think this is what you can do to make that communicated better whether that's from a writing art lettering coloring perspective yeah. um, those are all you can tweak things and you can just help that person um, make the best comic that they can make that says and communicates what they want it so to satisfying. say. That's so satisfying. Yeah, we can help someone get the, their absolute best out of what they were wanting to present. Exactly. You know I mean? And it's a lot more collaborative. You know, I could write by myself in my room, um, which I like doing sometimes. Sure. I'm still, I'm still doing some, some writing uh, for websites and stuff, but um, 
I like that editing is so collaborative, and I like right. that I'm working with my writer, my artist, my you know sometimes two artists and some colorists and letters and all of those different stages, huh. and then eventually with a printer, right? Like Toronto it's, Comics Den Mother, you're turning and taking. Care well, of I don't know. I think Stephen Andrews <laughs> is still the Den Mother of the Toronto Comics, but um, <laughs> that's still his role. Nice. But I'm um, happy to contribute. Allison, I got to get you on sometime, and we got to do like a proper sit down hour, and sure. we'll dig into this even more. And uh, unfortunately, I'm running out of disc space here because we've had lots of tremendously wonderful chats today but March 1st the Kickstarter Toronto Comics Anthology we're not going to shut up about it and you guys shouldn't shut up about sharing it and all that good stuff so Allison thank you very much for having this chat with us thanks so much Jason anytime Toronto Comics Anthology Volume 4 March 1st Kickstarter do it Techies.